Thought Bubble Audio. watch with us welcome to our variety show for sarcastic and overtired people (laughs) and you know what guys this is a really big fucking day on this show it's the biggest day this is the day kelsey was promised that's why we waited until 10 24 p.m to start recording (laughs) lolololololololol i'm really in my prime mental space past 10 o'clock at night If it's past knitting curfew, it should probably be past podcasting curfew. But you know, that's the roll of the dice. Yeah. It's all right. We'll be fine. (laughs) We'll be fine. It's fine. So, Kirstie, what are we talking about this week? (laughs) So, this week, we are going to be talking about Schitt's Creek. Because Kelsey bought a long campaign to get me to watch it. And I finally finished it. And now it is time for Kelsey to have a space to yell for an hour about all of the reasons that she was right. Yes! I love it when I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) I had the opportunity Um, to yell about this when I first watched it, and I had to contain my yelling because I really wanted Kirstie to experience it first. So I feel like that's really an act mm -hmm. of friendship and gatekeeping and Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-restraint. And fortitude. Yes, also that. And now, I also do want to give a special shout. shout out to um, our good friend, Frank. Yeah, Frank helped me in this um, campaign. Because Frank also uh, sneak attacked me. He did. It was an ambush. I, what were you, what were we all shouting at each other about? Uh, I, uh, anchor, maybe? <laughs> uh. I don't know. Something completely not related, and then he just ambushed me, and I was shamed into watching it eventually. We plotted against you because we got got to hang out in real life, and it was great. Yeah, and no one ever hangs out with me. It's fine. You live too far away. You live outside of our radius. And your railroad (laughs) doesn't even come here, okay? (laughs) My railroad doesn't go anywhere. I'm just trying to live a life on the rails. (laughs) You have the shittiest railroad. (laughs) (laughs) You know where else I bet has like a pretty shitty railroad? (laughs) Good job. Thank you. (laughs) Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek. Okay. Um, This is kind of yours i would like to hand this to you okay and give you this time okay so i have a lot of feelings but i think we're gonna organize it the way that we talked about a while ago and great hopefully you remember (laughs) i do i remember things once in a while okay so (laughs) shall we like do the tldr for schitt's creek yeah. Okay, spoilers abound, but... All spoilers all the time. Fuck you. Yeah. So, Shit's Creek is basically kind of like... It starts out like Arrested Development, where it's about a family who is rich, and then mm-hmm. 
they got into some issues with taxes and stuff, shady stuff. <laughs> so all their money and assets kind of get taken away from them, except for a town that they purchased as a joke, presumably in Canada, called Shits Creek. And they are forced to go live there in a gross motel because they have nowhere else to go. And the first two seasons, at least, are really focusing heavily on, like, them not knowing how to be people. <laughs> and, like... The first season in particular. Yeah. The second season is transitional, and then the third season is, like, a whole different... Yeah. ...ball of wax. Yeah. So, yeah. it's basically the parents... Um, Moira is a soap opera actress. <laughs> and then um, her husband ran the video company that was, like, Blockbuster that went under. And then David and Alexis that are just... Uh, the best <laughs> and also so much um so much so yeah the first season is like adjusting to being in the world and like not knowing how to cook their own meals or like live in a place like Shit's creek and not have staff <laughs> um yes. and about like they're basically like how they're privilege and status shaped them into being a certain type of person and how that made them also like hardened to the world in a lot of other ways is that fair mm -hmm. and then from there it's kind of like breaking that down into like how they are still human and how they can like either work past some of that stuff or just like go all in <laughs> Right. Um, and then there's a bunch of other people in the town that we meet along the way. Uh, and a restaurant that's basically a character. And what else? Yep. Is that, like, the basic gist of it? That, yeah, that's the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> um, it's also... Yes. Uh, to get the business side out of the way, it's a weird like, co-production with Canada and, um, the U.S., so it's part funded by CBC and far oh, part yeah. funded- Oh, yeah, you started to tell me about this. Yeah, so CBC is, like, their main, like, funder, whatever you want to call it. There's probably a better word, but it's too late for me to care. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> TV Guide Network- which I thought was literally just, like, just the guide that swiped up on your screen back in the day before you had, like, the guide button. No, they... Yeah, they have, like, actual shows. They did? They, yeah. The, um, I don't totally understand how it all works. I'm 95% sure that any of the content that they produce themselves just get shown in, like, the little window above the guide when you're on the TV Guide channel. Uh... But they do actually produce their own original content. Okay, so at the and time... And they, um, they license content from other places. Yeah. Yeah, so for whatever they reason... They license a lot from E. Gotcha. I think I do remember mm -hmm. that, actually. So at the time that they were pitching mm -hmm. this show, I guess, and they needed that like little bit of extra funding, they had rebranded to the Pop Network, 
which I mm-hmm. had never heard of to this day until I had, like, started watching Schitt's Creek. But it's only, it has, like, weird limited availability, depending on your cable provider. Like, I can only access it in standard definition. <laughs> oh, sure. Which is weird. Uh, <laughs> so I have to, like, wait for it to go on demand for me to be able to watch the HD version. There's like, is that the same in Canada? Like, is that a U.S. limitation? Well, Pop doesn't exist in Canada. It's oh. it's CBC in Canada. Oh, so it's basically like a. That was the part I was not understanding. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a mainstream. Gotcha. Like, imagine if this was, and I want to get into this more, <laughs> but imagine if it was like this was the show instead of The Big Bang Theory, in terms of like, yep, 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 yep. consumption level and like. Um, how much it's how how much exposure it has, I guess. So, yeah, basically they both bought in, and then Pop li- licensed it to Netflix like two years ago, and that's when it like took off here. But it's been like number one in Canada for its entire run. Wild, yeah. So Canada's a weird place, guys, but it might be a nicer place. <laughs> I think in many ways. In many it ways. It certainly can be. Yeah. So, yeah. um... Not in all ways. No. But in some. So I had a reaction to this show. We can talk about, like, the cycle of watching it, or the trajectory. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the trajectory is, like, one of the more wild parts of watching it, which we'll get into, um... Mostly because every single person who found out I was watching it referenced that I was on track. Yeah. I heard that from, like, three other people besides you. It does- it has a very slow burn at first, but the payoff is, like, incredibly worth it and valuable, so it's sort of, like- it reminds me in a lot of ways- of Parks and Rec, but specifically, like, how you get through season one, and you're like, okay, Brent Dana yeah. quits, I get it. Uh, and you yeah. have to, like, do the work to get to the good stuff, and I know that's, like, an annoying thing that people say about a lot of shows. But I think this show's endearing enough along the way that it's not, like, painful. <laughs> no, it's really easy watching. Yeah, it In is. In a way that, like, Arrested Development and other shows with unlikable people aren't um because there's even though like they can be insufferable especially in the first season it's still like not innocent um it's still funny enough i guess it's just like funny yeah it's funny and it's light it's not like it doesn't like wear on me the way that like arrested development can yeah even at its best yeah i don't find it like grating or like too much and I think it does because you have to like watch all these episodes to get to the sort of like transition it takes they kind of do it very well and they make it so it kind of like sneaks up on you and it's like oh god all of a sudden you have feelings for people that you didn't think you had feelings about and you're like I I don't know what this show is doing to me but I have to keep watching it (laughs) yeah it's sneaky AF yeah and part of it is because I think it does it, like, character by character. It's not, like, all of a sudden yeah, the show that's true. spins around. It's, like, they give different characters different moments to 
like show their humane side. I suppose. Mm-hmm. And everyone's developing at a different rate. So mm-hmm. like I kind of appreciate that Moira has had a few like fairly moving moments in the last season in particular, but that overall, yeah, she really hasn't changed much. Um because I yeah. think it gives you like a barometer for how much everybody else has changed and then it's not just like everything is so magical and wonderful and we all learn important life lessons every day. Right. There's still an element of, like, these, you know, Moira is still selfish and self-centered and is probably not going to change much, even though this place has fundamentally changed her. Yeah, so I know, like, probably in the season two range, end of season two, is when I was like, oh no, I have Parks and Rec feelings about this show. (laughs) So I don't know when that, like, (laughs) the tables turned for you. But that was when I started to be like, uh, what's happening? I think, I feel like there were, like, different stages of the tables turning where, like, there were, I think I referenced this in another episode of our podcast, but there was a moment in season one, I want to say around episode nine, where there was some kind of subplot with David, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but, like, a plot point happened in the episode And I had been, like, binging these a few nights in a row and, like, knitting and waiting for laundry to be done and, like, just kind of watching it. And then this thing happened, and I remember having this moment where I was conscious of the fact that in the back of my brain somewhere, I had just had an emotional reaction to it. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. They got you. (laughs) I was like, um, hold on a second. (laughs) It's very alarming. I was watching this. Yeah, I was watching this tonight, and I was having no no feelings. Oh, no, we... And now I've had a feeling that I've become aware of. And it just sort of snowballs like that as you go. Like, I don't think, I don't feel like there was ever, like, a poignant moment where they really brought it all home and suddenly I was bought in. I think it's like no. this gradual buildup. I think that's why it worked so well on me, because I'm so, like, allergic to, like, super sweet, like, earnest stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say that I'm concerned, based on the way the most recent season was going, that it's going the way most sitcoms do, of, like, becoming sweeter and, like, almost sappier, like... I think Parks and Rec was super guilty of this, where it becomes, like, more sappy and emotional. Mm -hmm. Like, Parks and Rec was super guilty of this, where, like, there was a lot of, um, like, subplots that could be wrapped up in 22 minutes very neatly just by two characters saying that they respect each other. So I see the last season, like, starting to head that way. Yeah, I'm sad and thankful that this is going to be the final season, season six, right? Um, Yeah, yes. Because it feels like they are very smart about the stories they're telling, and they know when it's the right time to wrap it up. (laughs) Yep. Which is infinitely better every time than having a network tell you to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think... 
I think it's like getting to a point where it's predictable, like what will happen. Right. At this point, but I'm not dissatisfied by that, and I think it's like a good arc if we can make it to that point and be done with it. Right. Well, because the whole point of it ultimately was like they integrate into the town and realize they're not so different after all, and then they all become better people. And there's really only so much you can do with that. Like there is an end point in the journey to becoming a better person than you started out as being. Right. So, Kirsty. Kelsey. I'm so glad we can have this exchange. <laughs> <laughs> After all we've been through. It's like night and day. Um, so, Kirsty, <laughs> what, who, I guess, who is your favorite non-Rose Schitt's Creek resident? Um, either Twyla, Ronnie, or Jocelyn. Mm. It's a real toss-up. Mm-hmm. They're all <laughs> so good. Real, real toss-up. Probably, well, no, I was about to narrow it down and I was just going to list all three of them again, which is not narrower than where we started. So it's basically like the Jazzy Gals as a collective. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I think, like, this show does a very good job of giving all these, like, minor, quote-unquote minor characters, like, yeah, such a well-rounded and uh, hilarious personality. Yeah. Like, I really they're all very identifiable. Twi- yes. I appreciate everything about Twyla in particular because I, like, I have a lot of lived experience in a lot of different areas um, that ground me in a sense of place. <laughs> Shit's Creek. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Twyla, in particular, like, I know exactly what they were doing with her mm-hmm. in ways that I think are hard to explain if you don't have experience in, like, in a Shit's Creek kind of place. Oh, yeah. But they nailed everything about her, like, the name Twyla, Yep. Is exactly what it needs to be for who she is. <laughs> so good. And they are so good at developing her character by just having her say shit. And then she drops these lines about like her father being in prison and her cousin doing whatever, where it's like, yes, Twyla, this is your life. <laughs> right. And her like vague employment. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's just yeah. always at the restaurant, but we don't actually know, like, anything about that like how or why or is she the only employee we don't know yeah yeah i mean anyone who's ever done like the small town rural thing y'all know a twyla but you also all know a jocelyn oh for sure i I mean anyone who's ever been anywhere near a pta knows a jocelyn there's like two jocelyn adjacent moments that like make jocelyn for me and the first one is when she takes moira to get her hair done yes and <laughs> they go to the salon and everyone who goes to the salon leaves looking like jocelyn uh-huh <laughs> because the, the hair salon is a girl that can only do one and yep. it's delightful and then this it's so good the second one is when roland and david go shopping for a shirt for Jocelyn. 
the blouse barn. At the blouse barn. The lady who runs the blouse barn is also up there for me. Uh, Oh, yeah. She's great. She's great. Um, But the, like, clothing that Roland picks out and what they end up with is just spot on. (laughs) So spot on. Oh, it's so good. But she's also, like, a petty bitch, and I love it. Speaking of, oh yeah, you know, petty queens. She, like, got this whole new element to her character after she gets pregnant, yep. where she's just sort of, like, got this low-simmering rage at all times. Yes! It's excellent. <laughs> it's, like, she's, she, the actress herself starts, like, portraying her with, like, this look, like, underneath it all, there's just this feral animal, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, frothing at the bit. And I love it so much. Do you relate, Kirstie? <laughs> I kind of, except that there's also this element where it's like a woman like Jocelyn married to a man like Roland absolutely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. would have that experience. I don't know, like, who is responsible for knowing this much about exactly what they're doing, but someone knew... <laughs> everything about this type of place yes yeah everyone knew everything about this place yeah it's like there there are places in my life and my history that are this place Mm -hmm. and so there are so many like tropes and moments and interactions and relationships that i watch on this show and already feel familiar with yep and feel a connection to like the show doesn't even have to explain it to me i just like intuitively understand it yeah <laughs> and that can only be done by someone else who has that same level of connection mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's like a canadian thing <laughs> or like what's happening <laughs> i don't know it's the same like really deeply ingrained sense of place that like you get from Parks and Rec, except it's so much more nuanced. It feels a lot like the whole show is the town meetings in Parks and Rec. Yeah. But better? Yeah. But it's like all those people are fleshed out, and those are like the people you deal with every day instead of just on very special town meeting episodes. Right. Well, and I feel like if you want to talk about like place as a character like Pawnee and Schitt's Creek the town like bring very different energies Mm -hmm. to the whole situation where like Pawnee the place is like this beating heart of hope and optimism that like brings everybody together and through that togetherness they become better people Mm -hmm. whereas Schitt's Creek is this beating heart of like doom and endless despair And there's nothing, there's no prosperity, there's nothing there for anyone, and yet there's this core group of people who survive and, like, are together and doing well and thriving, even though there's only, like, ten of them and there's nothing there for them. Right. So, um, I'm just, like, overwhelmed with places we can go. (laughs) Can I also just say that they do such a good job... Of, like, of some of the, the um, like, class stuff with, like, 
mm-hmm. without being insulting of like the way people in Schitt's Creek would regard Elmdale and like the like restaurants and like two stores in Elmdale as being like the fancy places. Oh yeah. And really the criteria for it is that they're like an hour away and Elmdale is slightly bigger, so that's what makes it good. Right. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i love this show i love elmdale Uh, as like a secondary place it's very good yes um so uh is there anything we want to address about schitt's creek as a whole before we get into like our second part of schitt's creek uh, no, it's good, and I like it. Okay. It, the whole thing. It's it's another one of those shows, sort of like Everwood, where, like, I'm not <laughs> sure I have much more to say other than, like, the whole thing just works. Yeah. So I have a lot to say on a specific topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is the rom-com I didn't know I needed? Uh-huh. Perhaps? But also the... Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. (laughs) Were you just overcome with emotion? Just yes, I have so many things. (laughs) So, part of Shit's Creek that becomes like more of a thing further down the road, but is never like it's never done in a like very special episode way. Is that David is pansexual? Yep. As they explain. Um, so there's, like, a lot of things as he, like, becomes more of a human and less of a, like, salty salt. Um, (laughs) a salty salt who builds cedar chests. Um, Uh and, um, that, like, becomes more of a thing as he, like, he dates Stevie from the motel for a while and, like, I have some beef with that, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then he meets Patrick, who's my favorite Schitt's Creek resident. Mm. By a long shot. Uh, Patrick's a good one. Patrick's so good. We just haven't spent as much time with Patrick as the others. I feel so like... I don't feel as deep I've spent my whole life with Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. I also feel like Patrick is, like, too shiny and clean for Schitt's Creek. So he just, like, doesn't quite fit. Oh, but he's... No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. I I always take him for being like not a he was didn't like grow up there. No, he moved there. Yes. Sure. So that's why I feel like it's okay that he's a little shinier. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so David meets Patrick because David wants to open a general store, which is like more of like a hipster boutique. And Patrick works at the what does he do? The lawyer's office? He he somehow, it's not the most clear, but he somehow does something with, like, what in the real world would be, like, community economic development. Yeah. So so he helps people get, like, small business loans and grants and things like that. Yeah. So their meet cue is that David needs to get paperwork signed so that he can open his business. Um, yeah. And 
then they go into business together, basically, to open the store. And which that also was not well developed. He was like, I need this business paperwork. And then suddenly the next episode, Patrick works with him. I was fine with it. <laughs> it's what I, I can overlook a lot. I had a lot. It's fine. I had some beef with the way Patrick was introduced. And then by the time they got me there, I was like, whatever, it's fine. I, like, I can't even address your lack of emotion about Patrick right now. So, anyway, so then they fall in love, and it's very cute. And there's a few things about the way they execute this that is, like, blew my mind, and I think is, like, a precedent that other shows should follow. And the first one is, like, not making a very special episode out of their, like, about them being a gay couple instead of a straight couple. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know the... What's his face? Um, Dan Levy, who made the show. Um, oh. <laughs> like, David, that guy. Um, <laughs> has said, like, Schitt's Creek is a place where homophobia doesn't exist. So it'll never be mm -hmm. a conversation on the show. And I feel like that just opened up so much for, like, the way we tell those stories. And it it, mm -hmm. it can be, like, a little bit unrealistic if you, you know, if you want to view it that way. But if you want to view it as, like, Pawnee is a place that has the best waffles and Shits Creek is a place that homophobia doesn't exist. Like... If, <laughs> Schitt's Creek is the place that has the best gays. Yeah. If you want to buy in, which I did, it's, yeah. like, so nice to see a relationship that's, like, relatable, that, like, any- is more like any other relationship I know of, like, people I know who are gay who are in relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like all those people have- like, a very special episode in their lives, <laughs> yeah. right? Where they're like, ooh, I don't know. And it's not like it's made a big thing out of it. Like, when... Was it this this year or last year? This is a side note, but <laughs> it's getting to a place. So, the NPR books list comes out every year. And yeah, sure. for the past two years, I've, like, gone through it found all the, like, books that I thought might be interesting from, like, all the people that I like and got them from the library and, like, gone through them and started listening to them. And some of them suck and some of them are good. But <laughs> I think it was this year they had a big push for, like, here's all these, like, LGBT stories uh, uh, that are, like, romance novels or, like, whatever, but with that spit on it. And they were like, these are all really great. And I was like, I think, like, I really like rom-coms. Like, I think there's some stuff here that I could like. And so mm -hmm. I've tried, like, a f bunch. And I, like, could not get past the, like, way that it was all, like, a very special episode. Mm -hmm. And it was all, like, everything was under this lens of, like, let me tell you and remind you every two seconds that I, like, date women instead of men. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't need you to remind me, like, just tell a story. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what Shit's Creek did really well. Is instead yes. of like calling attention to it, they were just like, here's this story about two nice people, relatively nice people, who like <laughs> make each other happy. And like, why shouldn't we like that? So part of what's interesting to me about that is that I know you and I already had a back channel conversation about this, but um, the episode where Patrick comes out to his parents, you said bugged you because you feel like it kind of goes against that spirit, right? Like, yes, because it, it begins to introduce the idea that like homophobia could exist. Right. And because Patrick's afraid of it. But from my perspective, I saw it as just reinforcing that it doesn't exist and it being entirely just about Patrick's insecurity. Yeah. Because from his parents' perspective, there was never any doubt that they would accept him no matter what he did. But he, like, his whole deal is that he's this sort of, like, uptight, nervous, insecure person who's new in the world. Yeah. And, like needs someone to like bring him out of himself right um and i feel like that is only possible because they have this moment of like him confronting his own insecurity and then there being nothing there yeah i mean i think they played it well i think i was just nervous the whole episode (laughs) that's fair because i was like i don't know Weirdly enough, I never, even before they, like, got deep into the episode, I never worried that his parents were going to turn out to, like, disown him or whatever. Like, I never worried that it was going to go south. I didn't either. I just wasn't... I don't know why I wasn't confident in their deployment, but but that was kind of where I was at, was I was just like, uh, is this going, like, one step to, Mm. like... Too special episode Too special episode yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. It did come very close. Yeah. But I also think they did a very um, good job with it. They did. And I think, like, to your point, I have heard other people, like, LGBTQ people say that, like, while queer representation is important and they want more of it, like, everybody also sort of wants the opportunity to be represented without that lens. Like, people do just want right. fun stories about themselves where they are just normal, and that's just... They're just part of the universe, and there's nothing else to it. Right. And I think, like, it... Them taking, like, a place that stereotypically would be less open-minded about something like that and making them not even acknowledge it, I think was, yeah, like, a very smart move. Yeah, I agree. And even, like... Especially because... Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, not to get, like, too political, but place has become such a, um, such a symbol, I guess, of, like, what everybody's automatic affiliations are. Yeah. Yeah. And... That's the end of that thought. Yeah. I mean, I think it, like, it struck me more that, like, um, when we were watching it, that, like, my fiancé reacted in such a strong way to it, too. Yeah. I want you to tell me more about that, because he, so, part of the campaign to get me to watch Shit's Creek was, um, included some screenshots from (laughs) Kelsey's 
uh, text with her fiance where he was very concerned that I had not watched the show yet. Yeah. And that is an unusual reaction from him. Yeah. I mean, so, we're talking about the kind of straight dude who, like, loves Tom Brady and watches Game of Thrones unironically. Right. Exactly. And, like, he's cer- certainly, like, a liberal and open-minded person, but he's also... Oh, yeah. Not... He's just not a rom-com watcher. He's not a rom-com watcher, and he's not... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the type of person who would seek out a story like this, I don't think, of his own accord. Mm-hmm. For a, sure. a lot of reasons. And yet, like, he felt just as strongly as I did <laughs> about, like, David and Patrick. And he, like, he definitely liked, like, all the, like, open mic night episode, like, all that stuff. He like, felt strongly about, and then he's, like, gone on to tell our other friends, like, oh, they did this really well, and, like, gave me, like, a new, it's not, like, a new perspective, but, like, a, just, like, gave appreciation. An appreciation and, like, maybe a better depiction of this type of relationship than we normally get. Yeah. And it was just, like, it was nice to hear him say that stuff because it was so out of character i think and i think it's yeah yeah yeah. i've listened to some like interviews and stuff with um the guy who created the show and it's like they said that a lot of people have like come to them and been like oh this really like opened my mind about this like entirely and like Mm -hmm. i can see how that could happen because of the way that they've like both, like, the way they've deployed it and, like, snuck it in, like, in season three. <laughs> like, you're yeah. already bought in at that point, and now you're just like, okay, I'm along for the ride. And it's yeah. not that bad, guys. Like, <laughs> everyone's gonna be okay. And I feel like that's, like, what they're trying to do, and I think they did a very good job with it. I think there's some beauty in it, too, because, um, anytime you're, like, getting at all out of the mold of like straight heteronormative white nonsense. Yeah. You have an opportunity to like, as a viewer to not have such rigid um, like relationships with what you're viewing. Mm -hmm. So like, I know I see myself in both David and Patrick in a way that like, I might not in a normal, like heteronormative relationship. Yeah. Like, That's interesting because you know, because like the the roles and the norms and the tropes and all of that just aren't the same and i think like so much of how you're trained to view media is to say like okay there's a binary of like heteronormative couple so i automatically relate to the woman yeah and if i don't relate to the woman it doesn't necessarily mean i relate to the man it just means that like maybe i don't relate right right you know, it's so deeply conditioned, and so if you have something that's, like, at all different, it gives you an opportunity to break outside of a binary. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, like, I feel like Open Mic Night is a top ten romantic gesture of all time, and you could fight me if you don't agree. 
<laughs> I thought open mic night was an okay episode. I know you did. I think it just like <laughs> I liked that and you know I don't like musical moments. <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I can't quite get over it. But like the whole thing was that David was like so embarrassed by the concept of open mic night and anyone like like making that kind of spectacle of themselves, especially like a uh-huh. and like sharing their feelings about someone else, which I, I feel like was like he could have been me saying all those things because I'm like, oh god, <laughs> ew. And then like watching his reaction in the moment, like they spent so much time focusing on his reaction and not on Patrick. Yeah, that I thought it was like very effective and. <laughs> done so well and you could see his mind like churning at the same time there is something that that actor does with his Mm -hmm. face that i cannot describe with words but i feel it in my soul where it's like he he does it like all the time it's in pretty much every episode but it's kind of like this like I, I'm not going to be able to describe it, but it's this thing that conveys no matter what he's saying or the way he's acting or how, like, bratty or bitchy he's being, it conveys this, like, overall sense of, like, love and appreciation and goodwill and, like, humor. Mm-hmm. And he can just pull it out at the drop of a hat in literally any scenario, and there's, like, so much emotional range and depth. And I don't know how he does it, but every time I see that look come over his dumb face, I'm like, fuck you. You have no right to do this to me. I was never supposed mm-hmm. to feel this way about you. Mm-hmm. So Catherine Van Arendonk said it's similar but more overstated than the way, the look that Ben gives when he talks about Leslie. Yeah. It's sort of this, like... He's not necessarily, like, smiling with his mouth, but it's, like, this whole face smile, and it's kind of in his eyes, and it's, like... It's very cute, and I love it. It's in his face, somehow, and I can't describe it, but yes, it's like that. Yeah. Patrick also has a different sort of, like, way that he it's not it's like a mannerism it's not just his face in the way that he interacts with david that i live for and it's like he's like Mm -hmm. very like bemused by him at all times Mm -hmm. and he's always like poking fun at him but in a very like gentle and loving way (laughs) yeah and it's just like it's very good and no one's like taking themselves too seriously no it just it's right it's good the thing about David's face is he doesn't only save that look for Patrick. No. He gives it to other characters, too. It happens, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, he loves his stupid sister so much, and he does that dumb face to her mm-hmm. all the time because he just loves her. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. So, so good. What were you going to say? Did you like his lip sync better than Open Mic Night? Yes. I feel like I did too. I I did. Because I feel like anyone can do the romantic gesture of like, we got a crowd of people in a room, so now I'm going to like sing mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. But he and Patrick had been having this prolonged fight. Yep. 
You know that David doesn't like to do anything silly. Yeah. And so he ends this prolonged fight by lip syncing. The same song. And Patrick keeps yeah. making the same song. And Patrick keeps making comments about how people outside of the store can see him. Mm-hmm. And David just makes that stupid, sweet, smiley face the whole time. Even while lip syncing. And keeps going. It's so good. Even while lip syncing. Yeah. It's so good. So. Yes, I thought that was much better than Open Mic Night. That's fair. I feel like they were a good package deal, though. I mean, you need one for the other one to work. Yeah. Because you needed Patrick to sing the song for it to be, like, an equal exchange. Right. I didn't say Open Mic Night was a bad episode. I I just said that everybody, everybody on Twitter was like, Open Mic Night. And so then Open Mic Night came, and I was like, okay. (laughs) Some of us had emotions, okay? In fairness to me, because I was putting together context clues, I also thought Open Mic Night was going to be the proposal, and then it wasn't. Oh. And so that that was also confusing. Oh. That's fair. So. That probably weighed into it a little bit, but. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I had, like, strong emotions, but what else is new? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see why that scene worked on you and didn't work on me. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So outside of our appreciation for David and Patrick, which is really important, and I hope this show continues to do that well, I can't finish this episode without us talking mm-hmm. about Annunciation on this show. <laughs> yes. I think it's my favorite thing about this show. Yeah. I love it so much. (laughs) The show, it's helped it become the most, like, gifable show that I know now. (laughs) But my favorite things, obviously, are A.O. David. Mm -hmm. Also, my, like, the immediate one when I first started watching... Was how David says, oh my god. <laughs> I know, I love that. <laughs> and he has like 25 different ways that he deploys, oh my god. And uh-huh. every way is so good. Like, that is you a could, like, master hear class. every single one of them in your soul. Yes. And like, sometimes I catch myself saying, oh my god, that way. And I hope that someone can <laughs> appreciate it and respect it. And no one ever does. No. <laughs> and sometimes, like, I have to reply with the gif because I want you to know that I'm saying, oh my god, like David does, and not like how I do. <laughs> like, oh my god. <coughs> that one is great. Oh, that's fair. And this show also deploys the best fucks I've ever heard. Oh, they're all so good. It is such good swearing. It's so good. My favorite one is, and I can't remember, I was trying to remember what scene it was, but it's in the general store, and it's between Mm -hmm. David and Patrick, and David forgets something, and Patrick calls him out on it, and he just goes, fuck. (laughs) And it's perfect. But they do, like, many, many very good fucks. Jocelyn has had a few. Yes. (coughs) Yes. And then there's Bebe. (laughs) That's my actual favorite. It's so good. <laughs> Their 
there has been a lot of writing on the internet about Catherine O'Hara and the accent that she chose to do and, like, what happened there. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild. And I don't know how she does it, but she's the only person on this planet who could make it happen. And it's consistent. It's not like she just makes it up as she goes. It's like, if she says one word one way, that's how it's going to be said forever. And Bebe is... Bebe. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) God. It's amazing. It's so good. Is there are there more it's that I'm so missing, good. or are those like the hits? Those are the hits of the way people speak. It's just a delay. Oh, you know, this is an enunciation, but like more like consistent character mannerisms. Yeah. Is um the way Alexis does her yes. little like giggle head shake thing. Mm-hmm. She has a very specific I don't wanna... way of speaking that I sometimes want to use when I'm being a petty bitch. <laughs> yes. It's like like the ironic valley girl thing that like yeah. I try to do sometimes, except it's actually good. Right. <laughs> right. My favorite gif right now is the one where she's like, wow, wow, wow e." <laughs> yeah, that's a very good one. <laughs> The other thing, this is also not enunciation, but, like, I guess it's, like, a characterization thing that's, like, buck wild to me, is, um, David and Moira's costumes. Yes. Um, because there's two separate things happening there that are connected. (laughs) So, I want to start with David. Yeah. Because David wears some buck wild shit, particularly his weird shorts that he yep. wears all the time. And his, like, kilt And no one situation? ever explains it. Yeah. He wears, like, shorts and tights and big sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. And the only comment that ever gets made about his outfits is that he wears sweaters in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only joke anyone ever makes. Right. And most of the time, he's framed in such a way that, like, he looks pretty fashionable, I guess. Or at least, like, he looks like, um, I don't want to say normal. He looks like, he looks like he's doing it on purpose. Like, he's, he looks more embracing a trend. About it. Yeah. Yeah. But then sometimes they'll do these, like, long shots of him walking, where suddenly <laughs> you're like, is he wearing shorts? Yeah. What is it's happening over very there? Very good. Or, like, when and he's in I the Amish his- field. Oh my god, that is one of my fucking favorite scenes it's of the entire so show. Good. He's with the Amish and he's dressed up like a fucking bird and he's just <laughs> crouched in the cornfield. With his sunglasses. With his sunglasses that I have to have. I want those sunglasses. My sister has those sunglasses. Oh my god. Tell me what thrift store she got them at. God, I'm sure I can find that out. <laughs> um... And then the flip side of that is Moira's outfits, mm-hmm. where they are so uncanny and so eerie. Oh, yeah. She's like the Grim Reaper. Totally. <laughs> and I, I have to wonder, like, does someone in wardrobe have, like, an ongoing competition to just see what they can drum up? Like, is this some kind of personal challenge to live o- some kind of weird fashion dream? 
that they can't do on any other show, so they just do it here. It's wild, but it's, like, so fits who she is as a human. Uh-huh. And her One wigs. of my favorite things that I don't think they do on purpose, necessarily, is that if you watch carefully, it always looks like Catherine O'Hara is having a hard time walking in her yes. heels. Yes, yes. I think that is on purpose. And, okay. I figured she's, like, a purposeful enough character actress that it, it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's just this hilarious little detail, because she's wearing, like, these 12-inch platform heels and these, like, little, like, bodycon dresses. Right. And she has dressed like this for, like, 40 years, and she cannot handle herself. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> so good. I also- the wigs are so fucking weird. They're and I so don't get it. weird. But it's oddly necessary. Oh, yeah. And whenever she references them by name, I'm like, what? I know. She has a spreadsheet of them. Right. I love that. I just love that they don't use them all the time. And so she'll have her normal hair for like two episodes. And then she just shows up out of nowhere in a wig. Right. And everyone's like, yeah, this is normal. This is how she is. I feel like it's like me on the rare occasion that I actually get my shit together to like curl my hair for the first time in like two years. And then right. like one time I went to work with my hair curled and I had like four different people at work be like, wow, <laughs> you look great. You did a thing. Uh, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And especially because I work in such a casual workplace, everyone's like, okay. Right. <laughs> this is a thing you did. That's a whole thing. That's mm-hmm. a vibe you brought into this office today. God. <laughs> yeah. I also just like that this show is, like, a weird family production. <laughs> yes. That, like, no one asked for. There's so much about the business of this show that just, like, mm-hmm. doesn't actually make any sense to me whatsoever. Oh, no. Not at all. And learning more about it has not made it make more <laughs> sense. <laughs> but, like, learning how genuine it is has helped. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good it's show. It's a nice little show. It's so nice. It's for nice, nice people show. only. It's, it is for nice people only. And they trick you into it. They sure do. They trick you into being a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like still never going to recover from the Downton Abbey Christmas special episode. <laughs> that joke was written For you and you alone. For me and me alone. I know. It was just like the universe shone down into my Netflix and was like, this one is for you. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like there are like moments when the universe just like has to tell you that you're where you're supposed to be. Yes. And that was, that was yours. I had literally just had a weird experience with the Downton Abbey Christmas special for the very first time. Like, ten years too late. And I was, like, talking to Kiersey, and I was like, what the fuck? I don't get why they did this. I have some thoughts. And literally, like, within two days of me watching that, 
they made a joke about it. Like, an extended joke. <laughs> on Shit's Creek that I was also watching several years too late. And I was like, this, uh-huh. this is it. And I'm very excited to get back to that episode again on my rewatch. I do think it'll be a show that will be 100% different to me on rewatch. How so? I think because I know where it's headed, it's all just going to feel completely different. Because it, it, it evolved into a place that I was not anticipating. Like, I knew that it was... I had context clues going into it, which is part of why I didn't want to watch it. Like, I knew it was a rom-com. I knew everyone was obsessed with it. But there were, like, a lot of things I didn't know about it. So then it started and was basically Arrested Development. And I was like, I don't know where this is going. I do know where it's going, but I don't understand what's happening. I'm confused. And then it took me on a ride, and here we all are. And so I think, like, now that I know where it's actually headed, like, the whole beginning is going to feel completely different. Yeah. So I've... We immediately started a rewatch after finishing it. And I've started... I've seen the first, like, five episodes twice, three times, and the rest were in, like, season two or three right now. And it's felt like I cared more. About the first, yeah. like, bit of it. There's definitely episodes, it feels like when you're watching Parks and Rec and you're like, okay, this is a skip for my next rewatch and this is a skip. Like, there's a few that you're like, okay, I don't need to see this one oh, again. I don't skip any when I rewatch. I feel like maybe it's not when you're rewatching in order, but when you, like, pick out random ones to watch, like, there's some mm-hmm. that you just don't go to. Like, Kirstie yeah. never picks Dinner Party. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me. That is for another night. Uh, uh, sorry, I had to. But yeah. overall, I feel like I've enjoyed it the same, if not more. Well, I think that it's like Parks and Rec again in that sense where, like, if you think back to the first time you watched season one and even into season two, it was sort of like, eh. Yeah. People care about the show. I get it. All right? Fine. And then when you go back, or at least when I go back and watch it now, and I've rewatched Parks and Rec uh, probably like 400 times at this point. Right. Um, but every time I watch that first season, I feel this like sense of fondness and nostalgia because it's, I feel very much like I'm at the beginning of a journey with yeah. these characters because yeah. I know where they're headed. Right. And so it's like, it's almost like looking at a scrapbook or something weirdly where yeah. it's like, oh, remember? Mm-hmm. And so that's the vibe I'm getting as I'm gearing up to rewatch. I think that's totally correct. Yeah. You know what's rude? Hmm. Comedy Central plays Parks and Rec every Saturday morning, all morning. What the fuck? And I watch it every Saturday morning, all morning. It's like cartoons, but better. And, mm-hmm. um... Last weekend, they just dumped April and Andy's wedding on me as if I was prepared for that kind of emotional (laughs) journey at 9 a.m. That's hilarious. I was like, no, I can't watch this right now, but then I did. Of course you did. Of course I did. It's my favorite. It was so good. 
That's why I maintain that Netflix needs a shuffle option. I agree. I want we that honestly, to like, Saturday mornings are Parks and Rec, Sunday mornings are The Office, and we keep the TV on all day long, even when we're not in the room, because it's just there for when we need it. Yeah. That might be wasteful, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I recycle. <laughs> sure, that's the same. It's exactly the same. That's the same. So anyway. Talk to me when you put solar panels on your house, okay? I don't want solar panels on my house. Well, come at me. I'm really happy for you. Because this bitch ain't gonna have an electric bill next year. What's Mm -hmm. up? What's up? Oh boy. So, if you have (laughs) a multitude of feelings about Schitt's Creek... I feel like I still didn't say everything I need to say, but I can't think of what else there is. I know Uh, for sure that you didn't say everything you wanted to say, but that's okay. Do you know what I needed to say that I missed? I don't. I just know you well enough to know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I hit on the high points there. There are going to be some, like, all caps messages in Slack tomorrow that are like, I didn't say. Definitely are. Well, I almost got through this whole episode without talking about the way we say, oh my god, and then I was like, oh my god, we haven't talked about oh my god yet. It's so good. We didn't even talk about Alexis and her weird shit. A little bit of Alexis? Oh oh my god, I fucking love that. I have watched that video like 17 times. There was a tweet recently that was like... Um, like Robin Sparkles mm-hmm. walked so that a little bit Alexis could speed away in a Lamborghini, vroom vroom, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I was like two weeks late on the Twitter reaction to that happening live, and it was wild. I like I was enough in so on Shit's Creek that I knew what was happening, but I hadn't actually seen it, and I was like, "Oh God, Glenn Wend- Weldon has like seventeen takes, and I can't even like any of them yet." <laughs> <laughs> it was so good, so good, yeah. But anyway, multitudes rejoice. Yeah, we'll do a follow up episode maybe, or we'll do like. An entire awards show in December based on Schitt's Creek. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Slash, it'll just be like our Outlander podcast within a podcast. Yeah. Within our Everwood podcast within a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just like a Rus- uh, Russian nesting doll of our pet shows. <laughs> Wait, if we had that as merch, I would buy <laughs> out there specializes in branded merch. <laughs> Kirstie, that's what you could have been selling. I know, that's what I could have been doing this whole time. <laughs> what a missed opportunity. <laughs> I would have had 15 exclusive vendors at my disposal. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. All right. So anyway, wow. If you have thoughts, anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Hate Watch with us. Yep. You can also email you us. You can find our website. Oh. Oh. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Hate Watch with us. Yep. 
Oh, is it my turn? <laughs> yeah. You can email us at gmail.com or you can leave a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever we're calling it these days, and you can tell us who your favorite Schitt's Creek character is or your favorite way to pronounce Bebe <laughs> in your review. Um, we also have another podcast. Oh, yeah. Speaking of podcasts within a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> called Our Watch Has Ended. Um, it is a Game of Thrones recap podcast. We have two more episodes of that show. I guess only one more by the time this episode airs. Time is meaningless. Yeah. Um, so if you want to hear our thoughts on Game of Thrones of this season and last season, you can find Our Watch Has Ended anywhere you're listening to this podcast. And that podcast, in spite of charting on Spotify in Thailand and Malta, does not have any reviews yet. So I reviewed it. Too. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Thank you. I always review our own shows. I have not reviewed a single show, maybe, ever. Are you serious? No, that's not true. I reviewed ATV. That is the one show I reviewed. Oh, yeah, I remember that time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. anyway. Rate and review us anywhere you find podcasts, particularly Apple, because they own the market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're part so of the Thought that. Bubble Audio Network. You can find them at Thought Bubble audio.com or Thought Bubble FM on Twitter. They have a lot of shows. <laughs> like Supergirl TV Talk and Academy Rewind and Beer with Geeks and Loud Women. And I think some of them also like Shit's Creek. Actually, I know for a fact at least two hosts like Shit's Creek. So go yep. listen to them too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's it. That, I think so. All right. We'll just pack up all of our shows and go now. Yeah. <laughs> oh god well, thanks for listening we'll see you next time perhaps <laughs> bye bye hi hi it's like 10 seconds hi <laughs> No. <laughs> I feel like we're playing Marco Polo. <laughs>